Are you sitting quite comfortably? Then I'll begin. Hey, kids, comics! Comic books. An art form early alive. We can rebuild them. We have the technology. With digital downloads and bookstore penetration, which sounds a bit rude, we can make them better than they were before. Better, stronger, faster. Hey kids, comics! And here are your hosts, Andrew and Michael Leyland. Hello everybody. Hello everyone. And welcome back to the February Hey Kids comic special. I don't know what's special about February. Okay. Other than we're doing a special. Yeah, it's <laughs> way back. That's what's so special Is about that what's special? There's a Valentine's Day. That, he would consider that a holiday, wouldn't he, Jeff Lobb? Yeah. Valentine's Day. Holiday. There you go. There's a reason to do a special. And in two more months we can do another special. Why? Why? April. April Fool's Day. Yeah. Not a holiday. That's a holiday. Just saying. Okay. Should we do some emails? Okay. Because yeah, we, do we have any preamble? I don't think we have any preamble, do we? Yeah, we do. I did the Facebook thing in January specials. That's, that's yeah. eight years ago. <laughs> happened in December. That's months ago, December. It, it? Is, it is. God, Christmas has happened, New Year's happened, China's turned over the world. You were there, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot close to the truth than I would imagine. They've they owned our country for a few months now. Yeah, we, we own about a trillion, I think. Yeah. Penny <laughs> when you had to fall the debt. Uh, Force Awakens is oh Force Awakens emails. That that was a few months ago, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's out on Blu-ray now. Is it? I have no idea. It may be. For all I know, so let me consult my crystal ball. Uh, Trey Hooks has emailed in about the Force Awakens. Hello, Andy. What about Michael? He's not. He's not. I said hello to you. <laughs> I'm booking off. Screw I'm you, off. dude. <laughs> Enjoyed listening to your and Michael's thought. Oh, there you go. On The Force Awakens. I haven't seen it since my son was having minor surgery today, but I wanted to get a feel for what to expect. I think we kind of completely spoiled it for you then. Yeah, yeah. I hope he's not emailing us to blame us for that. <laughs> Apparently not. So that's okay. You mentioned being surprised by the rating it received in the UK. My son is six and my daughter nine. To give you a sense of my comfort zone, they've gone to see most of the Marvel films, but not Man of Steel. With that in mind, did you think there was anything in Force Awakens that you wouldn't have wanted your kids to see if they were those ages? Uh, no. No. I, I honestly think that it should have been a PG. I really do. I didn't think there was anything in that that was 12 certificate worthy. It wasn't as... It's, there was nothing in it like X-Men First Class. Right. Where um, it's all going along quite happily and then Wolverine just turns around and says, F*** off. Right. And Anya's watching it because it was a PG. Because mm. apparently, was it a PG First Class or a 12? I don't know. Uh, 12. It was a 12. I'm just looking at the Blu-ray though. I'm looking at the BBFC rating. So yeah, like 12. I always thought that the, the, the word F*** was an automatic 15. Can you have two shits in a 12? I think, so, and I think you're you're evidently allowed one in a twelve. Oh, okay. So I, there was nothing like that in terms of language. That being said, though, Return of the Jedi is a you. Yeah. I couldn't watch the first half an hour of that film as a child. Why? Because I was terrified of the rancor. Oh right. Well, that's that's that's, okay. that's not a you film. That should have been. There should have been fifteen. <laughs> quite frankly, 
yeah, so I, d- I, th- I think it should have been a PG. Mm. I don't know why I went, I, I, I think... Was it a 12? Yeah. So that's the... Ooh, no, Return of the Jedi Re- was the highest, wasn't it? No, Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, Revenge of the Sith, I mean. It was yeah. a 12A, I think. But yeah, it's uh, I, but this is one of them where I can see why Revenge of the Sith got the rating it did. Yes. I can understand that. Having seen The Force Awakens, I don't agree with that rating. I think it's a PG. Oh yeah, Force Awakens is definitely a kid's mover. Yeah, I mean... Revenge of the Sith is quite definitely a more mature mover. Yeah, I mean, I know you have to look at the whole piece tonally, and it's not a like-for-like comparison. Yeah. So you can't say, well, this film had that in it, and that was only a PG, but this film has this in it, and that's a 12Y. You've got to look at the whole piece of work and classify the rating based on everything, which is what the BBFC do, and for the most part, they do a pretty good job with it. Mm. But I, I don't think Force Awakens should have been a 12. No. So. no. Anyway, Trey, so I, I hope that we've not completely ruined the movie for you. Well, we kind of have. We definitely have. Definitely yeah. did. Yeah, well, I hope you still enjoyed it. Our next email is full of spoilers for Force Awakens, so if you've not seen it, skip forward a bit past Chris's email. Uh, wake up, Force... All the Force emails. That's quite nice. Chris Franklin's emailed in. Hello, Leyland. So glad to hear a great discussion on Force Awakens after taking it in the night before. I loved it, but I'm not as deeply invested in Star Wars as some, but it felt like a Star Wars film. I don't hate the prequels, but this film certainly felt like more like the original trilogy than those films. A few thoughts. Kylo Ren's real name was Ben. Han calls him Ben. After all, Ben Kenobi brought them together. See, I didn't, I didn't get that Leah would call the son Ben. I mean, I know Obi-Wan had a relationship with her dad, Bail Organa, but, yeah. based on the prequels. But, you know, I don't know about that. I didn't feel like, why would Leah call her son Ben? Don't know. Unless Luke was in on it. It's either that or Anakin. I could have lived with him being called Anakin. Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> well, maybe not. Redemption and all. But yeah, but he still killed a room full of kids. <laughs> yep. Every, everyone remembers the younglings, but no one remembers the Tusken Raider kids. Oh, I remember that he killed Tusken Raider children. <laughs> hmm? yeah, yeah, yeah. Another thing that points to Rey being Luke's daughter is when Kylo Ren is trying to probe her mind, he sees islands. Luke's planet is nothing but islands. Good point. Mm-hmm. I loved the scene with Luke at the end and wouldn't have traded it for anything. What a great hook. Do you think we should put a spoiler warning at the beginning of this? suppose, yeah. <laughs> it is February, isn't it? That's true, yeah. Okay. Uh, I knew Han's death was coming. Yeah, spoiler warnings! <laughs> we are talking about a show where it was full of spoilers. I knew Han's death was coming. The only thing I thought might change how the scene played out was Rey using the Force to block Kylo long enough for Han to blast him. I honestly was surprised Chewie survived. So was I, actually. Mm. I thought they both had a target painted on him. But, uh, no. I think the only thing that I'm thinking about it, I missed a scene with Chewie and Leia at the end. Yeah. Chewie just kind of stands there. Mm. He's he's there to be Chewie. Yeah, instead mm. of like having a big hug with Leia and going... <laughs> well, you do that better than I do. Uh, other than missing a great leader like Tarkin, I don't feel the First Order was less developed than the Empire. I mean, we did see Snoke, or however you spell that. I was worried he really was a giant there for a bit. That got a universal what for our audience until the hologram was revealed. This is the first film I've ever seen where the audience applauded every time an old favourite character came on screen. The biggest applause were, of course, for Han, Leia and Luke. This movie is Superman Returns done right. A love letter to the original, a sequel and a reboot, but it works. Nice show, and a nice tribute to Sean. Chris, well, thank you very much. We hope it was a nice tribute to Sean. Because I think he would have liked it. I think he'd have liked The Force Awakens. We didn't get anything like that for Force Awakens, did we? Like what? A couple of people applauded at the end. 
Yeah, Do you remember Revenge of the Sith when everybody applauded when it came on and yes. there was a standing ovation when it ended? Yeah, well, everyone remembers that when they go on the prequel bashing, don't they? Yeah. They forget that in the cinema people enjoyed those films. Yeah. So, no, we, the couple of people applauded at the end of this one. Yeah. Right, and that little girl who was adorable. It was nothing like Revenge of the Sith. No, no, but it's, you know, it's not a cinema thing, is it? Well, it wasn't the last one, was it? Yeah, that's, that's true. It was the first of what is now going to be many. Mm. So, you know, your kids will probably be going, what, to episode 21, 22 and 23? God, I know, yeah. <laughs> the original ones are so lame. Yeah, and then you can smack them. <laughs> there is a person me that does want to have kids just so I can show them Empire for the first time. <laughs> what order will you show them in? Uh, release. Really? Yeah. Not this machete order that everyone else seems to favour. Ooh, I do favour that order, but that's only because that I've seen it before. Right. Okay, fair enough. Uh, yeah, well, all right then. Well, that's it for emails. That was quite easy, wasn't it? It was. And uh, we'll be back after we've plugged the show with uh, a discussion of Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale's Batman Dark Victory. That sounds all right, doesn't it? Yeah. If that sounds like your cup of tea, pull up a chair and join us. Mm-hmm. That'd be good. Back in a minute. I'm Captain Benjamin Sisko. Welcome to Deep Space Nine. Red alert! All crew members report to battle stations. Red alert. Shields up. What shields? You're Starfleet officers! Now start acting like it! Oh, it's just Garrick. Plain, simple, Garrick. Dax, we might have just discovered the first stable wormhole known to exist. The wormhole does bring them our way, doesn't it? Everyone wants a piece of the new frontier. This will shortly become a leading center of commerce and of scientific exploration. And for Starfleet, one of our most important posts. Quite a motley crew you've assembled here, Benji. Listen to The Prophets, a Deep Space Nine podcast. And here are your hosts, Andrew Leyland and Paul Spataro. Bloody hell. Only on TwoTrueFreaks.com. When something is as successful as The Long Halloween, a sequel, no matter how misguided, is inevitable. Witness Civil War 2. However, Loeb and Sale had other avenues of bat history they wished to explore, as well as expanding and exploring the themes of Long Halloween. This time, it was all about Robin. Robin, the colourfully clad, laughing jester to Batman's grim, dark Avenger, has become something of an albatross to Bat fans and creators since the late 1980s. Whilst a Batman completely devoid of a Robin was unthinkable, there was too much merchandise money in the character for that. The idea of Batman leaping around the mean streets of Gotham with a 12-year-old lad in short shorts had become, at best, child endangerment and, at worst, a little creepy. Making Robin viable for a new audience, an audience that wasn't really convinced they even wanted a Robin, was problematic. This didn't stop DC mining this storyline, though. Since the Crisis on Infinite Earths, there had been Robin Year 3, all about Robin's origins, an annual called Robin Year 1, and then a full-on miniseries with the same name. In other media, both the animated series and the movies retold Robin's origins. For a character nobody liked, he got around a lot. What I think this shows is that a lot of adult fans have completely forgotten that kids, you remember kids, right, love Robin. One creator that didn't like Robin, however, was Tim Sale. When Jeff Loeb first asked him about the idea of including him in the long Halloween sequel, now called Dark Victory, Sale balked. When Loeb told Sale of his plans, Sale relented, more concerned with how he was going to take his trademark blacks and shadows and apply them to a boy dressed in bright green, yellow and red. 
Dark Victory was, as with The Long Halloween, a 13-part series. This time, though, it began with a prologue, a zero issue, originally a wizard preview. Apparently, the cover has Batman holding a hangman's noose. Two-Face stands inside it, flipping his coin. Once again, as with The Long Halloween, they've reproduced the covers as little thumbnails, which Mm. bugs me. Give us a full page to the cover, dude. It's a sale piece of artwork, isn't it? The prologue has a story which goes something like this. Janice Porter, the new DA, speaks to Alberto, who was spurred the gas chamber. Falcone had a long reach, even after death. She asks him if he was beaten severely the night he was brought in. Does he have any feeling in his right arm at all? She believes she can reopen the case and tells the newly minted Commissioner Gordon as much. Gordon believes this would be folly. Holiday killed over a dozen people. Let him rot. Janice points out that Batman violated Alberto's civil rights, and Gordon stood there and led him. Janice is reopening the case. The Batman is stood in the office. Gordon doesn't know if he can protect him this time. Batman doesn't need, and never wanted, Gordon's protection. He stands alone. Uh, you don't really need this zero chapter. It sets everything up for you. But the story itself does that, doesn't it? In many ways. It's a nice little addition. Mm. I mean, it's a good little opening chapter. It's It gets by more on its really rather good character beats than anything else. I mean, as we pointed out last month when we did Long Halloween, Batman was wrong in beating up Alberta. Yeah. It was one of those... You know, Gordon was wrong to let him. That's quite clearly just wrong. Alberta wasn't a Scorpio killer. Mm. And Batman isn't Dirty Harry. Because in that film, Scorpio was murdering children and Harry had no choice but to put him down. So that was the point of of him killing him at the end and the audience rooting for it. Alberta was murdering a crime family. Mm. You know, like we said in, in the last show, I'm willing to bet there were members of the public and the press that supported him. And we're actually wondering why Gordon had brought him in. Yeah. Let him kill some more crime bosses. Who cares? But then Batman beating him down was just... Yeah, it was... For the means of plot. Yeah, it was the act of a petulant child. Thug Batman mm. is a characterisation that I don't like. And I doubt Loeb will, will accentuate Thug Batman as we go along. Kind of does a bit, though. Mm. Um, there's some nice divisions between Gordon and Batman. Batman is becoming more and more insular and withdrawn, which is, I suspect, where Robin's going to come in Yeah. as we go along. And sales art is as fantastic as ever. This is more colourful, isn't it? There's a more expansive colour palette this time. Yeah, around. it's not... Um, I don't think the colours are as well used as in Long Halloween because of that. Mm, but you also don't like the paper stock in this. No, I don't. I know that's kind of a petty argument against no, in a tight story. No, but it isn't, though... Because the paper stock in the long Halloween hardcover, you're right. It, it, I don't know what it is, but it sets the art off better. Well, it's just this edition, I'm assuming. Uh, no, the the new long Halloweens are all this glossy print that we right. don't like. Whereas the long Halloween hardcover that we've got is kind of like um, it's got a more rougher texture yeah. to it, hasn't it? Whereas this is the shiny stuff that you can't read under a light. Yeah. So you know, um, which is a pain in the ass when it's heavy black. So. Yeah. Which yes, yes it is. So so it was all right. I mean, it was you know it did it introduced everything and sets everything up. Yeah. But it, I don't think it was part of the original series, was it? If it was a wizard giveaway, probably not. It's uh, it's like it's just a setup because they did the same for 
planetary in that. Yeah, you don't need it to understand and enjoy the story, but if you have it, it's quite pleasant. Yeah, I'd, I'd say it definitely helps a lot. And I presume that it's it's now in all the collected editions. Yeah, if it's in this. Yeah. How much time has passed between Long Halloween and this? Then is it the same year? Yeah, this is the following year, isn't it? Well, the I assumed it was the year after, but they say that it's that the by the end it's the anniversary of. Yeah, it's one year since Harvey Dent got so this is thrown in his face. So hasn't this it? is barely a month since the end of Long Halloween. Yeah, all right. Yeah, you must be right. Which. I don't think really helps all that much. No, because then you're kind of establishing... Well, this is the problem we had with the timeline in Long Halloween, isn't it? It mm. wants very much to be Batman Year One, but all the rogues are present. Yeah. Whereas they weren't in Batman Year One. And then we're, we're into his second year as Batman, presumably, and suddenly Robin's here. Mm. Which doesn't jibe with what we've been told before. But, you know, you know whatever. It's just the way they're doing it, and we have to live with it, I suppose. Chapter One is called... War. The cover is red and black and features Batman. It's very striking. As with the yep. long Halloween, I think we're going to have the same problem with the covers, aren't we? Mm. We're just going to be basically saying it's a Tim Sale cover, it's great. All of these follow the same basic template as well. They're all heavy blacks with one colour, aren't they? Yeah. Maybe two colours if you're lucky, but for the most part, just one colour. And they've done, like I mentioned already, they've done that thumbnail thing instead of reproducing the cover properly. With original layout yeah. behind it. It's, it's a bit irritating. I'd rather send the full cover, I think. What's watching the Falcone family and many out-of-town gangsters that want a piece of the action celebrate Falcone's birthday at his grave, the Batman recalls Falcone being at the Wayne's funeral and promising Bruce that if he ever needed a favour, he only had to ask. Selena Kyle, for whatever reason, is also at the birthday bash, along with other workplace representatives. The Maronis, who represent the narcotics division. The Skeevers, who are into trafficking. Anthony Zucco, transportation. The Vitis, Chicago mobsters with a grudge after the deaths of Sal and Carla. And Bobby Garzo, who helps with their political connections. The Batman is here to give Sophia Falcone a warning. Gotham City will no longer tolerate their kind. The bullets fly and Batman takes to beating people up for the sake of it. Catwoman can't help herself and joins in. Batman is unsure where her loyalties lie, but he has no time to probe her before the police arrive. Batman watches dispassionately as the newly promoted Commissioner Gordon and Chief Clancy O'Hara investigate. O'Hara Begora! At Wayne Manor the next morning, Selina Kyle brings a hitherto unmentioned Falcone son, Mario Falcone, to see Bruce. Mario was deported, but insists that Falcone imports is now legit and wants to work with Bruce. Bruce shows him the door. Sophia asks that Dent be killed. The Maroni kids volunteer for the job gratis. After all, Daddy started the job. The new DA, Janice Porter, and Gordon visit Alberto in jail. It's looking like Alberto will walk. As Gordon tries to put together a team of men he can trust, thanks to Chief O'Hara, Batman isolates himself further from Gordon and Catwoman. He visits Dent in Arkham just as the Maroni twins hit the place. It's a systematic hit designed to release certain rogues. Alberto doesn't flee, even though his cell is breached. Two-Face and Calendar Man escape. This works in Alberto's favour, and he is freed, albeit with restrictive movements and an ankle brace. He is to live in an old Falcone estate, luckily located near Wayne Manor. What are the odds? Somebody sends Sophia Carmine's finger cut from his dead body. A message. Everything that they have will be taken away piece by piece. The DA's office is ransacked. All Harvey Dent's case files are stolen. Chief O'Hara is found dead, hanged on his beat. Around his head a hangman's riddle. No one is safe. Scribbled in blood over a newspaper clipping that reads Holiday 
is free. Uh, Falcone was at the funeral of the Waynes. Um, I could have done without this being like three pages. But it does set up Batman being at Falcone's birthday celebrations. Yeah. Which is the whole point of it. And this takes place August the 2nd, which, as you pointed out earlier, is a year to the day after Harvey Dent had acid thrown in his face by Sal Moroni. Is, is, is it the first anniversary of the day that he was there? See, I don't know, because the timeline's quite confusing in this. All right, well, it let's... It takes place over a year, but I couldn't quite decide whether it started the same year or the year after. Well, it says, quite clearly on page one, though, that it starts a year to the day yep. after Harvey Dent had acid thrown in his face. And that's what I got as well, but then later on it kind of starts... Which is what? So, three months after the end of Long Halloween... Because yeah. there's another three months of Long Halloween. Mm. So, alright, fair enough. We should have done Long Halloween back out, shall we? Right. So you're almost a year after the Long Halloween, and then this takes place another year. So it does put it in Batman Year 3. No, I'm just talking about the Robin timeline. Right, okay. Alright, so yeah, so we begin... This For me, this was wobbly, because it didn't have a firm time period like Long Halloween did. Right, where was Harvey's, where was Harvey's trial? So chapter 11 of this story also takes place on August 2nd. So the first 11 chapters, the first 10 chapters of this take place over the course of a year. Yeah. So this is the second anniversary of Harvey Depp becoming Two-Faced then, right. isn't it? It's just, reading this, it wasn't quite as certain as Long Halloween. It could, From what, how I read it, I could have read it completely wrong, but it could never make its mind up how much time has passed. No, I mean, one of the things I did like about it was it wasn't as tied into that whole timeline thing that Long Halloween was, which I felt ultimately hurt Long Halloween. But I felt it hurt this a lot more. It couldn't make its mind up whether it wanted to be a clone or whether it wanted to be free of it. Yeah, whether it didn't want want to follow that stringent format. Yeah. Right, because I hadn't noticed that, I'll be honest with you, yeah. So this story takes place over a year. Because as well, they point out that all the murders in this take place on holidays. Yeah, well, do do all of them. But then they can never decide that. Is it on holidays or is it once a month? Because they state both. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, they do. See, I enjoyed this one more than Long Halloween. I disliked this one But now you're pulling pulling at certain threads. Because, yeah, this doesn't have the same format that everything happens on a specific day every year. But then there are issues of this that do happen on a specific day every year. Yeah. And they make a big deal out of that. But then they contradict that. Yeah, with the August 2nd to the August 2nd thing. Mm. So, yeah. All right, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a, little, uh, a little nuke and cranny I hadn't spotted when I was reading it. But you're absolutely right. See, the advantage of you reading it all in one go. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Fair enough. Um, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that, then, as we're going forward. Uh, Selena is at the birthday celebration. Which becomes apparent why. You didn't read When in Rome, did you? No, which we'll talk about a little bit next time, or I'll talk about it. Now. But the end of this explains why Selena is interested in the Falcone. Yeah. Spoiler, Carmine Falcone is her dad. Allegedly. Allegedly. Possibly. She, yeah, she doesn't know that for certain, does she? Mm. She suspects it, but it can't be proven. Uh, there's a lovely little callback to the long Halloween when she says, it's hot, but not as hot as the night Johnny Vitter got killed. Yeah. Which I thought was quite nice. And to Loeb's credit, he doesn't do that a lot. Mm. He doesn't do a lot of deliberate callbacks no, like was, that. It was funny because of the conversation in Long Halloween. Yeah, that she was having with Bruce at the time. Yeah. So I did like that. I thought that was quite good. Um, this issue, we get that Sophia survived the fall. 
but is now in a wheelchair as well as having lots of scars all over her. Yeah. We will learn, and probably like when we did the long Halloween, we'll probably spoil who the killer is. Just to talk about it. As we go through it to be able to look at it. Let's spoil it now. Sophia's the killer. <sighs> Sophia's the hangman murderer. So as we go through it, we're going to be able to see if that makes any sense uh, as we go through. Do you want a long or a short answer? I presume you're, you're going down the path that that doesn't make any sense. No. Right now. It, it comes out of nowhere at the end just for that. I actually felt it made more sense than the Long Halloween. In f- yeah, that's true. <laughs> but at least with the Long Halloween, there were, there were some form of clues there. Yeah, but most of them were red herrings. My problem, my major concern in this, yeah. is it's not a crime noir mafia story like Long Halloween is. Yeah. And it's not a murder mystery like Long Halloween is. Well, there's a it, little bit it of a murder wants mystery. wants to be a murder mystery, but there's nothing... It's just murder. There's no mystery involved. We have no clues. There are no suspects. I don't, I don't think I agree necessarily there's no mystery involved. It's like, well, is Alberto being haunted by his dad? Yeah, but then that's thrown away. It is. I, I give you that completely. If it was who it is who's haunted him, yeah. then that would be perfect. That makes absolute sense. But the fact it's thrown away after that one splash page, and it turns out not to be them anyway... Yeah... Okay, alright, well, well, should we go through it like we normally do? Oh, okay. And then tear it apart later. Um, Batman's warning to Sophia is spectacularly unsubtle and quite reckless, where he just throws himself into a path of bullets. Yeah. I don't like Batman being dumb. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes for, like, spectacular artistic sequences. That's what's even supposed to be doing here. It's, it's, a, it's a birthday celebration at a grave. There's no crimes going on, really. You no, know, he's just there to threaten everybody in one go, isn't he? I suppose. That's, that's, so he figures, if I show up here and I growl in my gravelly voice at everybody, I can, uh, I can be mean to everyone and put them off all in one go. Which fails spectacularly. Yeah. So he doesn't accomplish what he wanted to. I did love that this is Chief O'Hara. So did I. In fact, I, I didn't remember O'Hara being in it, and him being in it like this, and then dying, mm. is exactly why I don't remember him. Yeah, what I did like about Chief O'Hara is that we, we've mentioned a couple of times there are a number of people who will have been on the Holiday Killer's side. Mm. Chief O'Hara seems to be one of them. Yeah. Chief O'Hara's like, oh, he was killing mobsters, boy. <laughs> I, I don't know what accent that was. I do apologise, Dave Walker. <laughs> Uh, and any other Irish listeners that may be listening. But he seems to approve of that as well, doesn't he? Yeah. So, uh, fair enough. Uh, what's good about this, I think, is Tim Sales out. We're not going to have any problems with that for the most part, because Poison Ivy's not in this one much. Mm. So I'm not going to have much of a problem with it. There's a very timeless quality to it. Uh, in addition to the colour palette, which in this one is much more vibrant, there's a very 60s vibe. Yeah, to this issue. That pool page reminds me of David Hockney quite a bit. Yeah, and, and Selena Kyle is very Audrey Hepburn. Mm. And Bruce's swimming trunks are very 60s swimming trunks. Bruce's shadow looking like a bat in the pool there. Yeah, this is pretty cool. Yeah. I love it when Tim Sale does stuff like that. That's, that's great. Uh, a nice touch that a lot of artists overlook is that Sale draws Bruce to be much bigger yeah. than a normal sized man, both in height and muscle tone. So he's someone that clearly works out. So you've got, it is one of those things that does Bruce bother even hiding that? Mm. Or does he just say, no, I get, I'll be tapped at the gym? Yeah, working out. Yeah, very good. So, yeah, okay. That's, that's a, a, that, the, swimming pool, the swimming pool scene is actually really good, isn't it? Mm. I really like that, where she introduces him to Mario Falcone, the son of Carmine and brother of Alberto and Sophia. Was he mentioned at all in Long Halloween? 
No. No, I didn't remember him either. I don't remember the Long Halloween ever mentioning at any point that Catman had three kids. Maybe it was on that family tree that's included. I don't remember seeing it on the family tree. Yeah, okay. We'd have to dig Long Halloween out and have a look, wouldn't we? But uh, I don't remember... He certainly didn't get mentioned. Like, there was... You would have thought there would have been a line at the wedding. Like, ah, I wish my... Yeah, I wish Mario wasn't deported, but he can't be here. Yeah, something like that. That would have made perfect sense, but you know, they didn't seem like they bothered. Uh, Mario seems legit. We don't know why he was deported yet, what for. He says the judges were going hard on him because of his name. Ultimately, Mario doesn't really become anything important, does he? No. We learn that he's working with Janice Porter, who I never actually have decided whether Janice Porter was on the side of the angels or not. She was working with him and Two-Face. Yes. And she was shagging Two-Face. Yes. I got to the end of the story and I didn't understand why she was doing that. Other than Batman later finds out that they had a fling in college or university or whatever. Yeah. So would they just rekindle in that relationship? Because there's no story reason for it. There's not, no. That I remember. Maybe there's something there that we're missing, but I don't know. Uh, speaking of relationships going awry, Commissioner Gordon has split up with his wife at this point. Loeb excels at the human drama stuff. Oh, yeah. That stuff's all really, really good. The scene with Gordon on the phone to his son is actually quite heartbreaking. The Commissioner Gordon stuff in this is great. Yeah, the Commissioner... Yeah, I do wonder if the the writers of Gotham Mm. just basically read this in Gotham Central and thought, we can make a TV show out of James Gordon. Yeah, unfortunately, that wasn't what they did. Well, I don't watch it enough to know, so I can't comment. Um, He snaps at Janice, which shows how ill-tempered he's become. And... Loeb's got this theme that runs through the entire story of broken men who are isolating themselves mm. when really they should be opening themselves up. And the final panel of this particular scene where Sale draws Gordon alone in his office is gorgeous. Yeah. But Sale's art's always gorgeous. In that, everybody's ugly. Yeah. Kind of way. It's not quite as ugly as it is in Lone Halloween, Long Halloween. No. This, but this is a different kind of story, isn't it? Yeah. Like you said. The artwork in Long Halloween's better because it's more refined in this. Right, see, I thought the artwork in this was better. As But you may prefer Long Halloween because it's rougher. Yes, as an artist, he's better in this. But f- as an artist for the story, he's better in Long Halloween. Right, you prefer the rougher look. Oh, yeah. See, I think... I think his women are gorgeous in this. Mm. In that very 40s and 50s voluptuous kind of way. Yeah, it's similar to Darwin Cook. Yeah, Darwin Cook draws women like that as well, doesn't he? Yeah, there's, there's a bit of Darwin Cook in him in this one, yeah. Yeah, definitely I, the women. And, and I think some of the 60s stuff mm. is quite Darwin Cook, isn't it? So yeah, alright, that's fair enough. Um, putting Holiday opposite Calendar Man in jail was just a stroke of genius. Yeah. And demonstrates whoever in charge of cell placement at Arkham <laughs> has a brilliant sense of humour. <laughs> I would put Holiday opposite Calendar Man. That was good. I like And that. then that could have been motivation for the hangman killings. Yeah. That he had to sit next to his copycat. Yeah, but they don't use that. No. It's Sophia. Yeah. <laughs> we just ruined it for you. Um, Janice and Gordon visit Alberto. There's a big guard who says, I'm watching you. Mm. Is that Batman? I assumed so. I assumed it was Batman as well. Because it is quite good. A uh, very nice intimidation bit that Batman just walks in in disguise. Exhibit B, that the Arkham layout people have a sense of humour. Janice and Gordon have to walk past Harvey Dent. 
<laughs> to get where they're going. Yeah. <laughs> that was really fortunate for the drama <laughs> that they had to do that. Quite funny, though. So she's looking in there and seeing Harvey Dent, Two-Face. Mm. So is she recognising in Two-Face the man that she was seeing in college? I'm, I'm trying to rationalise why she was sleeping with Two-Face. Well, aren't they already sleeping together at this point? They can't be, because he's still in jail. Well, they have to be, because later on he just climbs in her bed. Yeah, they never actually explain when they start sleeping together. You just, throughout these early stories, we don't see these early chapters. It's sorry. like every other issue, they'll just meet up. Yeah, but you don't see who's in bed with her. Mm. That's kept as a secret until the end, well, not the end, but about three quarters of the way through. Yeah. We find out it's that it's Harvey Dent. No, probably not. But it's it's never explained when they started doing that. Yeah. So that's why I was. That's where my confusion as to what its purpose for the plot was. I didn't, you know. Uh, the Moroni twins offer to kill Harvey Dent as a mark of respect, capiche? Because that's what all this is about. I my suppose. favorite line in this is "Forget about it." <laughs> yeah, they say that a lot, don't they? Yeah. And I love it that they spell it like "for good about it," yeah. like that phonetic it's way. Just one word. Yeah, with G's in it. Mm. Yeah, that is quite cool. Uh, the Wayne family murders were apparently never solved. What do you think of that? I didn't like it. I don't like that. Especially, although there is a nice moment when it shows how much potential Dick has. Yeah. But then, by doing that, you are making Batman look a bit crap. Yeah, well, Loeb's very good at making Batman look a bit stupid, isn't he? He is. Yeah. See, I was never. That's a zero-hour retcon, isn't it? And Correct. I think we've discussed this before uh, in a in a much earlier episode. But I never liked that Batman never caught his his parents' killers. Mm. I never. I was never a fan of that retcon. I was. I always preferred Joe Chill did it and he caught him. Yeah. Well, they. Ha- they had brought it back before Flashpoint. I don't know about that. Uh, I in, don't know. In the Morrison one, Batman harasses Jill Chill to the point where Chill shoots himself. I think it was. And what about in Snyder's run? See, I have no idea in that. I can't remember. Because we have covered it, I think. So, you know, we never did Zero Year, did we? Yeah. Did we do Zero Year? We did all the Zero Year. Do we mention... That doesn't mention he killed his... Does that mention he killed his parents? I'm drawing a blank. Oh, yeah, there's the four zero issues, aren't there? Yeah. Is it Joe Chill again? It, it should be, because there's that one issue where he... Yeah, Joe Chill's now like a bum living in a, a worn-down house. Right. And then there's the realisation that his mum died because he wanted a pearl necklace. Oh, and yeah. We yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had a lot of fun at that. Yeah, okay. Uh, year one, which this is following, never established you shot the Waynes. Right. So maybe... Because in the original 1940 stories, he didn't catch him straight away. Yeah. It took till 1940-something, didn't it? Was it 44 before he found out who killed his parents? Duh. I know the story, I'm thinking of the story, but um, in year one, they don't identify the killer of his parents, so maybe we're just at that nebulous point in Batman continuity yeah. where he's not caught him yet. Not that good for the world's best detective well as we established in the long Halloween he's not the world's greatest detective yet he by and large just punches people till they'll tell him what he wants them to tell them yeah and he will get other people to do his thinking for him he's not even the best detective in the room he's not the best detective in this book (laughs) is he Dick Dick Bloody Grayson's a better detective than him yeah as the story goes on but you know uh, the the characterisation of Catwoman also doesn't follow year one so I think the the best thing we can do with this is just pretend they exist in the Loeb verse yeah 
and it's an else world all off on its own, and, you know. Uh, exactly how isolated Batman has become is demonstrated with both the Catwoman and Commissioner Gordon scene. Gordon offers to take Batman to meet Porter to try and get her to leave the holiday case alone, and Batman basically says, I don't care. You know, do what you want. He then pretty much freezes in response to Catwoman's playful banter. Mm. Whereas normally he'll have like a Maddie and David kind of vibe, whereas here he's just not playing any of it. He doesn't even rise to the flirting challenge. Yeah. And shows absolutely no emotion whatever when she slaps him. I was expecting, I let you have the first one. <laughs> but he never actually said that. So that's and okay. he also shuts himself off with Selena Kyle as well. Yeah, and with Alfred. Mm. So, essentially the story is about isolation and Batman's isolation and Batman cutting himself off and why he needs a Robin in the same way that they did that whole story out with the Doctor. Especially when he keeps saying, like, I was wrong to not believe it was Harvey. Yeah, Yeah, you think he'd learn from this, but he's too stubborn and pig-headed to to learn from his own mistakes, isn't he? So, uh, fair enough. Uh, There's another breakout at Arkham Asylum. Wasn't there two in Long Halloween? Yeah. And there's quite a few in this one. Uh, in a real stroke of luck, Batman just happens to be there. Yeah. In there. Talking the, to Two-Face? Yeah, it's just he just happens to be there talking to Two-Face when this happens. Loeb's not a subtle writer. He's not. He's the David Goyer of comics. Throughout this issue, the Batman has been talking about destroying the Falcone family and their extended brethren, leaving them broken and in pieces. When Carmine's finger arrives in the post... The consigliere says to Sophia, it's an old style warning. Someone is out to destroy you piece by piece. <laughs> it's like that. Right, so that was racist. <laughs> I made a last, last week's month's show. That uh, wasn't, the, I was doing an accent. Racist. A pizza, a pizza. That's, that's a pizza, a pizza, <laughs> a pizza oh, oh, by okay. pizza. Okay, not yeah. pizza. Yeah, yeah. I did not say, I said a pizza by pizza. Oh, shut up, you yeah. and your bloody colleagues. The <laughs> Consigliere. Yeah, that that's what he was. So, <laughs> don't, don't, shut up. <laughs> um, Two-Face did this. Yeah. Two-Face sent the finger. Because the last page of the story, Two-Face has still got Carmine Falcone and Carbonite. Yes, he has. With no finger. Which does seem a bit BS, but they did set up, actually. Yes, it's actually set up quite well, Mm. because it's in this first chapter here, so that that was quite good. The the thing in and of itself is a bit naff, but the setup for it is... Mm. And the payoff, waiting until the 13th issue. Yeah. I quite like that, I thought that was quite good. Uh, The extent of the damage to Sophia is considerably more than we've thought. Uh, so we've got another Batman villain irrevocably scarred and psychologically damaged. Yeah. She has to wear that brace, she has to have a wig on, she can't go to the toilet on her own anymore. All Although that. she can hang 13 people. Yeah. Well, as we will discover later, she doesn't really need to be in a wheelchair. That's true, but why have these scenes where she's on her own been all mentally scarred? Because uh, she's talking to Batman. I suppose. In that scene, anyway. But we'll have to keep our eye on that and see if she does do that thing where she keeps the act up when there's nobody around. Which is, you know, what's the point? Because that's the, essentially the, the story's setting up that that's what it's going to be about irrevocably scared and psychologically damaged people. Yeah. Which are Batman, Gordon, Sophia, Harvey Dent, Alberto Falcone, all people that are in some way are deranged and have chose to stand alone. Chief Hara's death, which happens in the, the last couple of pages, is the only person we've seen be a friend 
to Commissioner Gordon, and that was a blow, but, you know, this was a good first chapter, yeah. taken in and of itself. It's focusing more on the characters than the rather badly laid out mystery of Long Halloween. And I think ultimately this fur's better than the last one, all told. I mean, we're still seeing Batman torturing himself for not stopping Harvey and realising what was going on. And because Loeb excels at character pieces, this is a really good character-driven opening. Everyone's given a good setup. There's more going on here than in a good six issues of Long Halloween. See, I'd argue that Long Halloween is great for 11 issues, whereas this is flawed from the start. So why do you think it's flawed? I don't think there's anything to it. There's, like I said, there's there's no, there's there's none of the noir criminal subplots. Hmm. There's a lot of coincidences in yeah, it. Yeah, that's but I'll give that's you that. So rich in Long Halloween. If there is a murder mystery, it's flawed. There are barely any clues. Um, I was never interested in the murder mystery in this. You know, in exactly. Long Halloween, you were like, "Who is Holiday?" Yeah. The so hangman. When you're not interested in the main plot. But I, I felt that the character bits carried you over the plot. Yeah, but surely there is a major problem when you're not interested in the main plot. If there's a murder mystery that you don't care no, about... No, I, I, I didn't. I didn't care who Hangman was. But did I not care who Hangman was because we were disappointed in the long Halloween? So I was like, this is going to be another one of them. Well, in that case, I wanted it to be better then. But there aren't really any... If, if, I didn't really notice any clues about it, but maybe it's because I didn't really know who it was. Um, I, I do agree with you there doesn't seem to be any clues this time around we only think we might know who it is at the very end when we learn who it is when we learn who it is yeah because and Batman manages to piece all these clues together out of thin air yeah because who it should have been and who it would have made more sense in being just shows up says oh yeah I just talked to this bloke and, until he nearly shot himself and then that's the last we see of him oh calendar man well, right, so Hangman, you so, would have preferred Hangman to be Calendar Man. Instead of just sitting and al- talking to Alberto all day? Well, a calendar, a calendar Man who is annoyed that Holiday's stolen his shtick. Especially when Calendar Man's, one of his very few lines of dialogue is, everyone was forgetting the Calendar Man. Mm. He has the perfect motivation for it. It's his M.O. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're, yeah, you're, other than Calendar Man never being a murderer, but... That's yeah. never really stopped them in comics in the 90s and 2000s, did it? It's... When Toy Man was killing Cat Grant's kids. I suppose, but having him up his game to get people to... You to remember him, who he is. That's, that's a character change I think people yeah, could have lived because, with. And it's also, that's, that's an interesting commentary on the Calendar Man in the comics and outside of the comics. Calendar Man was a B-grade villain. Yeah. That no one gave a toss about. And nobody remembered. Mm. So there was a nice, interesting meta commentary there. So, yeah, I'd see, again, you're talking me around into thinking <laughs> that oh, this isn't as good as I thought it was. See, ultimately, though, I like this because of the character beats. And the character beats work. Yeah. Irrespective of the Hangman Killer stuff. Mm. So that's no, where I was I'm coming not, out from. I'm it. not arguing with that. I'm just saying there's <laughs> a major problem when you're... You, when you don't care who the murderer is. Yeah. But especially when you've just come up with a much better murderer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Calendar Man would have made more sense. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he would. <laughs> okay. Alright, chapter two is Secrets, where we seem to be going for a two-tone colour scheme again. The Riddler is in green, whilst the background is black, which is another kind of abstracty thing. Yeah. Don't really see a lot of the Riddler on it. Uh, the Batman, confused by the death of O'Hara, goes to the Riddler and tells him to solve this silly puzzle for him because it's making his head hurt. 
Ex-Commissioner Flash returns to Gotham and warns Gordon that his days as the Commission may be over. Batman continues to examine the hangman clue left in the wake of O'Hara's death, but Alfred keeps nagging him about Thanksgiving dinner. He tells Alfred he had considered letting Harvey in on the secret. Alfred points out all the reasons this would have been silly. Mario Falcone invites Janice and Gordon to the desecrated grave of Carmine, the Roman Falcone. Before they can look into it, Sophia arrives and tells them to back off. She mistakenly calls Mario Alberto. There also seems to be a closeness between Janice and Mario. Speaking of Alberto, he's hearing voices. Janice lies in bed wearing nothing but sexy underwear. Oh la la! A shadowy man comes into both the room and then in Janice. Selena Kyle is at Wayne Manor for Thanksgiving dinner. She's at her alluring best, dismissing Alfred and flirting outrageously whilst rocking a dress that leaves little to the imagination. Which is fortunate as Bruce has no imagination. The Batman meets the Riddler and the Riddler explains how to solve the riddle. To the Batman. He points out that you can't play Hangman by yourself. Somebody doesn't know this. At Flash's place, the former commissioner hangs by the neck. The second part of the Hangman's clue around his neck seems to say, two can play that game, and he's scribbled on paper from the files of Harvey Dent. Alright, before we go any further, the goddamn Batman mm-hmm. has to go to the Riddler for help solving a riddle. Yeah. What's wrong with this picture? <laughs> Uh, you know, as as what I've got to note here, has he not considered that the missing letters may be the clues? Doesn't that turn out to be the thing that yep. Dick has to point out to him in chapter eleven? Yeah, right. I wrote that before I read chapter eleven. I just want that on the record, Your Honor. I, I like playing along with the riddles, actually. But then it turned out that um, the. Oh yeah, they set up that Batman's looking at it wrong from an early issue. Yeah, when he keeps saying no one instead of none. Yeah. But then they just throw that away as, oh yeah, it was just the, the Scarecrow gas. Yeah, but the world's greatest detective. Mm. <laughs> We're just going to keep harping on about that, aren't we? Because yeah. he is so far away from being the world's greatest detective in this story. It's, you know. Bruce Wayne and Harvey Dent being friendly outside of the office was a major part of Batman the Animated Series. Though they were recreating the Batman from the ground up, and it, it worked. It really worked to help sell Harvey's fall as being personal to Bruce. Here, no such relationship between Bruce and Harvey existed. Harvey dislikes Bruce. Yeah. So, having Bruce muse on the possibility of telling Harvey his secret, when he's never even considered telling Gordon... Yeah. I didn't think that made any sense. Yeah. It certainly wouldn't have boded well for him. No. I didn't I didn't get the rationale for it. I didn't understand the reasoning behind it. If you're going to reveal it to anybody, wouldn't it be Commissioner Gordon? Who well, could help you? Who? Because that would have come in really useful in the long Halloween yeah. if Gordon had known he was Bruce Wayne. Because then Gordon could have said, "Yeah, Harvey, you're barking at the wrong tree with that <laughs> connection between the Waynes and the Falcones. Yeah, let's do some proper work, eh?" Mm. But all right, okay. Again, I think the character moments are what salvage this for me, and why I think it's more interesting than Long Halloween. Loeb manages to delve deeper into the psyche of the characters to see what makes them tick. Sophia's confusing her brothers, which she's confused because Mario never got a mention in the long Halloween. And there seems to be something between Mario Falcone and Janice Porter. Yeah. That was a red herring. Because isn't the implication though that that's who she's sleeping with? Yeah. And ultimately she's, she has nothing but contempt for Mario as we get to the end. Mm. So some of the characterisation seemed a bit ropey. 
in it's, places. Yeah, a lot but, of it is quite rubbish. Yeah. All credit to Commissioner Gordon, though, who spots that straight away. Yes. Batman don't do interpersonal relationships, so he doesn't know about it. Uh, Bruce, being aloof, is carrying over from his Batman persona into his real life. Even Alfred's noticing it. Selina, bless her little cotton sock, <laughs> is really trying, but Bruce Wayne is such a cold fish... One wonders why somebody as full-bodied as Catwoman is wasting her time on him. I can only assume in this telling of events, Selina is aware of Bruce being Batman, which is made a little clearer in when in Rome, mm. when she's she has this dream in when in Rome where Batman and Bruce Wayne are interchangeable, and she thinks, "Oh, that's confusing." Right. And you're like, "So her subconscious has put it together." Yeah, I, I'm still struggling with the idea that. Bruce Wayne doesn't know Selina Kyle is Catwoman. Yeah. Given how close they are, it, it just doesn't ring true that he doesn't know mm. at all. I don't. I don't get that at all. Although this Batman does seem like a bit of a dunderhead. He really is. Um, I mean, it's adorable when she eats off his plate. Yeah, that's quite a nice. And touch. drags the chair all the way down. And drags the chair all the way down. So they actually sit together instead of the opposite ends of the table. Mm. So that's see, Selena's brilliant in this, as she is in When in Rome. Yeah, she's easily one of the most interesting characters. A lobe sale Catwoman series, not just a mini series, would have been a lot of fun. What about a lobe cook series? Lobe cook would have been fun as well mm. with Catwoman. Oh, who knows? All three. All three. Uh, we got Ed Brubaker in Darwin Cook, which is close enough, I suppose. Yeah. You know. Okay. Uh, further proof Batman's a bit thick the, the Riddler has to explain the rules of Hangman to him <laughs> yeah. the Riddler assumes Batman knows all of this but I wouldn't assume that if I were you Eddie see I, I just assume that Batman knew what they were he was just like okay you're setting up something get to it you, you can read it like that it, it, it kind of helps to <laughs> justify Batman being a vigilante detective it's, it's giving Batman a bit more credit than I think he deserves in these stories that's yeah. <laughs> We'll go with your explanation. The, the Riddler sign was great. Yeah, the Riddler, yeah, the Riddler signal. I love that Batman destroys it. He's a petulant brat in this, isn't he? He, is. he really is. Since when is Gillian a boy's name? Gillian, he's Gillian Flass. Yeah. Gillian's a girl's name. No, that's quite... Uh, well, I, the, the first person who springs to mind is a video game character, but... Who is it? Gillian Seed in the game Snatcher. Oh, right. Because I know in Australia they call it Gillian could be that instead of Jillian maybe we're just reading but it it's wrong. still a girl's name who's being close minded eh um, um, <laughs> if you want to name your son Jillian by all means go ahead it's, I would not stop you and I would Sue. not mock you well it's better than a boy named Jillian is that what you alright I thought that when I read year one but okay all right. maybe it is a boy's name in America I don't know let us know lovely listeners if Jillian is a boy's name over there okay Cause over, unless it is supposed to be Gillian but like I say in Australia Gillian's a girl's name as well so is this not Loeb? Yeah, oh. Gillian B. Loeb or Gillian right, right, B. Loeb. Right, right, right. But, so, yeah, it could be a hard G or a soft G. Yeah. But I always knew Gillian as a girl's name. Yeah, I, I always thought Commissioner Loeb was named after Jeff Loeb. Well, would he have been in Batman Year One, though? No, probably not. He wouldn't, would he? No. He'd have been still off writing Teen Wolf at that point. Yeah. Instead of working on comics. Ah, oh, I don't know. Uh, secondary characters are fleshed out nicely in Chapter 2. Loeb's having a lot of fun with Catwoman and the Riddler something that he will carry over into when in Rome, but Batman is as thick as tomato soup in this issue. The world's greatest detective needs to go to the Riddler yeah. for help with a puzzle. Really? Just didn't, didn't buy that one at all. Uh, orange cover this time featuring the Scarecrow. Chapter 3 is called Toys. There's nothing to say about the covers, is there? 
No. They're, they're all alright. They're all they really do good the job. for what they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for what they are. Arnold Flass, former Gotham detective, is dead, hung by the neck. Again, a hanged man's uncompleted riddle is written on paper from the files of Harvey Dent. It states he knows if you've been bad or good. No one at the Cheetah Room strip joint saw a damn thing. Batman's investigations seem to consist of beating people up until they talk. Exhibit A, Anthony Zuko, owner of the Cheetah Club. He tells Batman he don't know nothing about no murder, see? He was supposed to be meeting a guy about a transport issue. The guy's name? Scarecrow. Against all odds, dumbass Batman tracks Scarecrow down and stops him pumping Gotham's kids with fear drugs. He crashes his truck into the harbour, but Batman now has a clue. The noose from around the Scarecrow's neck. Zuko reports the lost truck to Sophia, who says the Cheetah Club will have to be torched. The Moroni kids aren't down with this. Sophia isn't down with them. It's been two months and they are no closer to killing Dent. Pino Moroni makes like it would be funny if Carmine had faked his own death, see? Like Alberto did. Sophia shoots him. Not fatally, but enough to warn him that without Dent's body there is no peace between the Moronis and the Falconis. Selina has been stood up at Wayne Manor as Bruce is using his usual keen detective insight to figure out what's happening, by which I mean Batman is torturing Alberto Falcone. Mario calls the cops. He doesn't believe it was Batman as Alberto has been talking about hearing his father's voice. Alberto thinks the house is haunted. This leaves them with two problems. One is Alberto cracking up, and what will Sophia do when she hears that the Batman has tortured Alberto? Um, there's a neat touch in the hardcover that almost makes up for squeezing the covers down to postage stamp size. Before each chapter, Gordon has like uh, a little a little panel where he's seen studying the evidence, and behind him the evidence wall keeps building it, up. It keeps changing. Yeah, there, yeah, which I thought was really cool. That was a really nice touch. I like that at all. But um, mostly this issue seems to be Jeff Loeb killing off all the cast of Batman Year One. Right. Okay. Flash. I was going to try and read Year One before we covered this, I just didn't get the time before we got to recording it, but, you know. Uh, Tim Sale's two-page splash of the alleyway next to the CD strip joint is just stunning. Mm. I do love that she's got tassels on her bra. <laughs> I wonder if she can get them to go in different directions. <laughs> Speechless. I always like that. Uh, Sale seems to have an army of different influences in this particular story. He's Batman's very Mike Zek. Yeah. If you remember the covers to uh, Ten Nights of the Beast and, and all of that stuff. Uh, the shot of Batman looming over Zuku's table is exceptionally similar, as in almost a recreation of a panel from a story called The Shadow of the Batman from Batman issue 347 by Trevor Von Eden. But Zuko looks like Todd McFarlane drew it. Yeah. So there's a clash of styles there. You've got Trevor Von Eden, Batman, and a Todd McFarlane Zucker. Because he looks like Sam or Twitch there, doesn't he? I never remember which one's the fat one. Um, I get that Loeb's depicting him as a bit of a rookie in the detective department, but he's been around three years now. Yeah. So he should have picked something up. But it is really cool when he arrives at Zuko's and he's already emptied Zuko's um, shotgun. Yeah, he's, he's good when he's being badass. Yeah. But Not very good at being a detective. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people slag off the New 52 and all that and with Batman, but by this point, Batman had kind of overthrown the Riddler at his own game. Yeah, yeah. whereas in here he's got the Riddler doing his dirty work for him. Yeah. But so does Selina Kyle. Selina Kyle gets that in uh, when in Rome, so... 
Uh, I did like that this is all connected. Zuko's working for the Scarecrow. Well, with the Scarecrow, sorry. Who's putting his funny little fear drugs into the dolls to freak out some kids over Christmas. Zuko's club is owned by the Falcones. Mm. Oh, that's nicely connected. Yeah. I think all that's... There's a lot of thought been put into that. I still can't believe Batman hasn't figured out Alberto isn't behind all this. I mean, granted, he's dumb enough to have not figured it out, just like he's perfectly okay using torture to extract information from people. But I would have thought by this point Batman would be like, no, Alberto's a red herring. Yeah. Especially seeing as he never figures out Alberto isn't really the holiday killer. Although he is, but you know what I mean. Yeah. He has never figured out that Harvey Dent and Gilda Dent were holiday, has he? No. Although, why would you spend time thinking about that if it's a shut case? I suppose, but so. how many times have there been a shut case where that's not actually the person? Yeah, well, there's an entire graphic novel about how the, the Joker's going through the electric chair for a crime he didn't commit, and Batman won't let him. Right. Because it's like, no, he didn't commit this crime. Yeah. And everyone's like, it's the Joker! Just let him die! Yeah. And Batman's, no, it's not the law! So the only time Batman's by the book is, is when, when it comes to the saving Joker. the Joker. It's because he loves him. Of course. Yeah, that's what it is. Uh, Batman is dumb. Batman is so <laughs> dumb, it's actually affecting my enjoyment of the story. I'm not used to Batman being dumb. I'm really not used to Batman being a dumb thug. It's not as though he's overlooking the clues or anything. No, or... he's just dumb. Yeah. The art's nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know. Okay, fair enough. Chapter 4, Lost, has a black and grey cover. This time it's Solomon Grundy, born on a Monday. Which is pretty much the extent of his vocabulary. Can you imagine him in a conversation with Thingyo? I am Groot. Solomon Grundy, born on a Monday. I am Groot. Solomon Monday, born on a Tuesday, or whatever the rhyme is. Yeah. I am Groot. Won't be, won't be grey, would it? I am Beethoven. <laughs> Timmy! <laughs> Oh, please put those four together in a story. <laughs> and it's just 22 pages of that. Oh, Bendis could easily do that. Bendis could pull it out of the hat, couldn't he? He could, yeah. And you just have Alex Maleev draw one page and then just photostat it for 21 more pages. Exactly, yeah. The comic book. Axel Alonso, call me. That's $5. <laughs> call us for that genius idea. Uh, it's called Lost. I don't know if I already said that. The Batman has tracked Harvey to the sewers where he bunks with Solomon Grundy. Batman has used his brains and has been drugging Grundy to appeal to his softer side. He shows Batman a makeshift office Harvey has been working out of, but before further examination can take place, the joint explodes. Batman struggles to escape and save Grundy, but he manages despite losing his link to Harvey. At Maroney's restaurant, Gordon and Janice find another hanged man. Brandon was a SWAT officer in Gotham under Loeb. His note is also on Dent stationery, and his message seems to read, and justice for all. Gordon proceeds to arrest the Maroney brothers. On what charge? He'll worry about later. Catwoman also prowls the wet night. Fed up of waiting for Bruce, Catwoman goes to see Sophia. She says that for one million dollars she'll find out who stole Carmine's body and will return it. Sophia tacitly agrees. If the night is for crime, morning is for romance. Porter meets her mystery man and Bruce rocks up at Selina's place to apologise and he enjoys a hearty breakfast. Gordon's romance isn't working out too well though as Barbara still refuses to return to Gotham. Porter arrives and Gordon gives her the list he asked O'Hara to work on, an undercover squad that answers only to Gordon, men that can be trusted. Porter says he can bend the rules, but she won't break them. Together, they can change Gotham. 
Uh, the notable thing about this issue is Batman started thinking. Yeah. Which is, is nice. He's, he's worked out a lot of this from Hangman's notes, all being written on notes from stolen Harvey Dent case files, to Harvey once hiding out with Solomon Grundy, which he did at the end of the long Halloween. He's rather cleverly been drugging Grundy to get him to listen to reason, and has actually been planning and acting rather than reacting and punching people. Yeah. Which has been his MO for most of the long Halloween and, and this so far. There are some nice captions as well, where Batman finds himself sympathising with Harvey and Grundy. There is comfort in hiding yourself away underground, he says, but even though you can't escape your personal demons. Oh, that was lovely. Lope, when Lobe's on form... Yeah, it might be lovely, but it's a tad hypocritical. He's Batman. Yeah. It's, it's the character flaws in this guy are, you know, off the chart. <laughs> uh, I do think Batman must stink to high heaven when he gets home at night. Yeah. If you think about it, not only does he sweat in that costume, but he bleeds in it. He farts in it. <laughs> and in cases like this, he takes a swim in the sewers. And depending on who's writing, he often uh, goes for a... Relieves himself. Yes! It. Yeah. It depends on who's writing. He goes and shags Black Canary by the docks, in it? Ah, uh, that too. I, I, Alfred must have cleaned <laughs> quite literally some... Can you imagine <laughs> Alfred looking at the cape and going, what are these stains, Master Bruce? And Bruce going, shut up! <laughs> if, it's, if it's that version of Batman. <laughs> However, I'm going to get these unsightly stains out of your cape, sir. I can just imagine Alfred at the laundrette. <laughs> Cleaning his capes. Do you think he just burns them and makes new ones? You probably have to, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh dear, please don't remind me of all Star Batman and Robin. Uh, Loeb also ex- excels at imbuing his words with double meaning. Batman says aloud as Harvey escapes, I've lost you, mm. which carries a lot of weight. Yeah. It's really well done. These, this is, so there's so much with it, it's good. It's just the overall hangman plot but I didn't care about that I was into the the character bit yeah uh, Gordon and Porter are a pretty good team in that mismatched, mismatched cops kind of way yeah I, I preferred them when they didn't like each other did you? yeah because what because she's the by the book he's happy to bend a few rules Be- well it was because I didn't like her so I, I, I liked it when Gordon didn't like her yeah Gordon starts hitting on her yeah at some point when you know Barbara doesn't come back sadly Porter's right more often than not to put these guys away Gordon can't bend the rules it all has to be above board doesn't it and Porter is not as unhinged as Dent who is clearly insane uh, although by the time we get to the end of the story I started to wonder about that yeah what is it with Harvey Dent and all the women around him crazy maybe just all the women are crazy that's why they go for Harvey Dent who can say but Janice seemed really quite normal and, and smart in these early ones having a turn insane again just seemed very similar to the Gilda Dent story it well, also seems play around with that a bit they do because it also seems as well like Loeb can't write a story where women don't go crazy yeah I suppose I'm sure somebody's going to jump down his throat about that it's not going to be us uh, the Cheetah Club has gone up in flames as promised last issue uh, and there is still this issue after all we've just said we find out that there's something weird about this uh, porter woman. You're all wet. Now I'm all wet too. Yeah. Oh, that double entendre has rapidly become a single entendre, I, hasn't I, it? I did. I did throw up a lot. <laughs> threw up a little bit of that one, did you? Yeah. Not even worthy of Roger Moore, that one. Oh, no, no. no, yeah, okay, fair enough. The next page, however, is, is the page after that as well, where Alfred... Ah, well done, Master Bruce. Yeah, yeah Bruce goes in for... Uh, Breakfast. 
with Selena Kyle. Yeah. See, that's what I'm saying. Though. That's Bruce and Selena are sleeping together in these stories. In Long Halloween and Dark Victory, they're clearly sleeping together. Oh, that was my interpretation of it. Is and that not yours? Yeah, I suppose. And when you have two characters who are sleeping together and leading a double nocturnal yeah. life. And at no point do they figure it out. It makes them both seem a bit thick. I, I like it when Bruce and Selena both know. I prefer it when they both know and don't tell each they, other. They work a lot... Well, Batman Incorporated, they both know and work together. and mm. But it works well. There's a lot more of a dynamic as them as partners yeah. in both senses of the word. And, and Loeb does do the sexual frisson between the two of them really well. Yeah. That he does, again, that's something that he sells at. Oh, and the bit where... Um, Porter tells when Commissioner Gordon puts his team together. Yeah. Um, Porter says you can bend the rules, but don't break them. Yeah, which is called back to what Gordon said to Harvey and Batman in Long Halloween. Yep. So that was nice. Mm. So there's a lot of, of good bits in it. There's, this was brisk. There's another murder, but it's not really anyone we care about because it's some guy with Drayden or Dresden. I've forgotten yeah, his name already. Another cop. Yeah. Um, as with Long Halloween, the clues are all pointing to Two Face. Yeah. As with Long Halloween, this seems a tad obvious. Yeah. At least there are a number of suspects this time round. Other though? Yeah, Mario, Alberto, Janice. There's a possibility that it's Janice. I suppose you could say Sophia is out of the running because of her condition. Which, like you say, is a massive red herring for later on. But there, there are at least genuine suspects there as opposed to Long Halloween where there was one. Alright, fine, but it makes more sense than if they were, again, mob hits, yeah. not cops. Yeah. And again, they're all mob hits. I mean, I mean, they're all cops who were somehow linked to Commissioner Gordon. Which is what it ends up being. Well, no, the, the, it's killing all the people that got Two-Face to where he was, isn't it? Right, yeah. So then why would the... If it was the Falcones or the Moronis, why would they be after the people who put away the guy they want to kill? Uh, yeah. That <laughs> didn't really... Okay. <laughs> Stop pointing things out that don't make sense in a Jeff Loeb story. Yeah. Anyway, um, this, you know, Loeb could be playing us for a sap again. And he is. Uh, there's even a mystery of Janice's lover which at the moment we don't actually know who it is. And again, as I've already said, I don't know what purpose that served the story. Yeah. Yeah, Two-Face just pumping her for information. I suppose. Cause that's, Isn't that what it is? That's the that's what the conclusion Batman leaps to later. You know, let's assume Two-Face knows everything Janice knows. Yeah. So Two-Face is pumping Janice just for what she knows, oh, basically. Is it essentially just... So that it throws the reader off a bit to have it sleeping with the enemy. I don't know, because well, what's in that for Janice? She, is, is she, she just... She's re- crazy from the start. Well, is she just rekindling the romance she had with Harvey Dent back in college? Regardless of half the face missing. Yeah. That's, I, no, I didn't... No. I suppose it does work from the point of view of, yes, Two-Face now knows everything that they know. Yeah. But I don't see what's in it for her. Yeah. Other than, you know... Being pleasured by Toothface. Especially when Toothface then turns around and says, I'm a married man, and, well, he does what he does. Yeah, well, he kills her. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right, no, there's no spoilers. Well, no, we're covering both parts of the story. We're clearly going to talk about it. We may as well yeah. say it now. Two-Face kills her when he says Harvey Dent's a married man. So is the implication that Two-Face isn't a married man? 
So she was she was sleeping with Two Face, and Harvey Dent is married. Yeah, and she thought she was sleeping with Harvey, and that's how Harvey rationalises it in his his incredibly sensible mind. I suppose. Yeah. yeah. All right, that that works, but I still don't get why Janice was doing it. Yeah. Unless there's some kind of vicarious thrill through shagging Two Face. I don't know, because the implication later is that she and Harvey were seeing each other while he was engaged to Gilda. Batman says she transferred out of college when they got married. Right. So they must have got married quite young. Mm. They were both still in lawyer school or whatever you go to to be a lawyer. Maybe, I don't know. There's lots of little bits that just don't add up, isn't there? Anyway, the the character beats are great. Loeb excels at those. The loneliness of Jim Gordon due to the estrangement from his wife is well handled. Selena's and Bruce's on-again, off-again relationship, that's magnificently done. Uh, Sale, as goes without saying, is magnificent. Yeah. I've said it, even though it goes without saying. Uh, Chapter 5 is all purple and all about Catwoman. Mm -hmm. And it's called Love. Pino and Umberto Marone have been rotting in jail for over a week when Lucia Vitti bails them out. Lucia is head of the Vitti crime family and blames the Falcones for Sal's death, putting the Maronis in the middle. Batman has tracked down Sergeant Frank Pratt, a cop who worked under Loeb, Flass and Brander. Pratt shoots Batman and then kicks him in the chops. His repayment for this act is to be hung until dead, whilst Batman is out cold. Gordon and his new crew arrive. They don't like Batman too much. Pratt has a picture of Gilda Dent pinned to his chest and the hangman's game around his neck, this time reading Guilty as Sin. Catwoman is stalking the Riddler. She wants to know, would you hide a dead body? The Riddler says you hide it in plain sight the city morgue. Catwoman is searching for Falcone's body when she's cold-cocked from behind. She finds herself in a coffin headed for the incinerator James Bond style. She's saved by Batman, which annoys her, but also allows her to try it on with Batman who is really a cold fish and rebuffs her advances. At the Falcone estate, Alberto tries to convince Sophia that Carmine is still alive. Barbara Gordon returns to Gotham as Selina Kyle leaves. She leaves a note asking Bruce not to find her. Another liaison happens this night. Janice Porter is all dolled up for a night on the town. She tells her partner that Gordon's team are tough, but nothing that can't be handled by Two-Face. And that's when we find out it's Two-Face that uh, is making the beast with two backs. Or the beast with two faces. Or the beast with three faces. He'd have three faces, wouldn't he? Yeah, that, doesn't, that, that didn't work. Uh, Gordon was wrong, Umberto and Pino did a week in jail. I, lo- I do love the line here. It's good to get back in Armani. That's a lovely line. Oh, that was really fun. Uh, redundancy department sales art in the jail room and police sequences is some of the best in the book. Yeah. The level of detail in like the everyday objects, tables, coffee cups, his sense of fashion is absolutely stunning, isn't it? Mm. Absolutely beautiful stuff. Uh, Batman gets his head handed to him by Pratt, who oh, was also in year one. This was crap. Did you not like this at all? No. Because there's a specific reference to Batman thrown in through a brick wall, which he does in yeah. Batman year one. I thought a competent Batman could stop this guy in two panels. Yeah, but this isn't a competent Batman. It's not even a Batman. <laughs> who is this guy? Was Bruce Wayne. Yeah. It's John paul Valley. <laughs> Suddenly, <laughs> this story actually takes place during Nightfall. Suddenly, that's just made the story a lot better. Yeah, because John Paul was a crap detective. Yeah, and uh, he was no good at stuff like this. Yeah. What didn't you like about this bit? Because the guy's an expert marksman and sniper. That's great. He's but Batman is supposed to be the knight. Mm. Shadows. Let's say this sniper guy got 
a look at Batman, which he shouldn't do. Because he's Batman. You shouldn't see Batman until your lights go out. Yeah. So then Batman should take him down before the guy can even fire a shot or escape. Yeah, if we're going with the characterisation of Batman as being Bond, right, ultra cool, always knows what he's doing. I don't mind a Batman that makes mistakes, but this is clumsy. Yeah. And that pretty much... And it leads to the guy dying. Yeah, and it, Batman's death clumsiness. death is on Batman. Well, he didn't hang the guy. He didn't hang the guy, but... He went he... there to save him and failed. Yeah. Yeah, I get what you're saying. If, if this was a Batman that was being written as competent as Batman normally is, this guy would have lived. Because mm. Batman would have got up behind him, chloroformed him, dragged him off to the cave. Yeah. And that's it. That's three panels. Yeah. And the guy didn't even know Batman was there. Yeah. And that's how it should be. Yeah. If we're portraying Batman properly. But to make these stories work, Loeb has to kind of portray Batman as a bit of a dunderhead. Mm. He's doing a good job with that. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Because, I'm, honestly, I'm enjoying the Catwoman story more than the Batman stuff. Yeah. Something that will be demonstrated with When in Room, which we'll look at briefly at the beginning of the next episode. Catwoman is very proactive in this story. And I do like that we don't actually know what she's up to, mm. but it doesn't feel contrived in that we've got a murder mystery to solve way. Yeah. There's, she's up to something, and presumably that will play out over the course of the story, which it does. We find that she's investigating whether Carmine Falcone is actually her father. Yeah. And as we know from Catwoman, she's always out for herself, but there's a feeling, an inkling that she would change for Bruce Wayne. Or Batman, I suppose, if you want to look at it that way. Catwoman's a fascinating character for a number of reasons, but primarily any character that walks that line between good and bad is always a more interesting protagonist because you never quite know which way they're going to go. And, you know, sometimes bad guys make the best good guys. Mm -hmm. And whenever Catwoman has made a a good guy, she's always been really good at it. But then, you know, the shiny baubles just always end up being too much for her. Which is a shame. On the flip side, I feel a bit sorry for the Riddler. Everyone picks on him, he's, and everyone makes him do their work. Yeah, every, he's everybody's patsy in this The story, poor guy just wants to hang out in the CD bars. Yeah, I mean, he just didn't be noticed for his riddles. <laughs> it's, it's even worse than when in Rome, where Catwoman just treats him as a butler for the entire six issues. But it's fun, you know, it's fun. Uh, Sophia Dent calls Harvey Dent a struns, which is Italian for piece of shit. Oh, okay. I'll look that up. Alright. Because I was, I wondered about when I saw that strand who killed her father. I thought, I right. love how you do that with your hands. It's good. Because it? doing that makes you automatically Italian. It's, it does. <laughs> what are you trying to say about my voice? <laughs> everybody who listens to this knows they're great. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, more for the redundancy department. Sales layouts for the Falcone Mansion is exceptional. Look at that panel. Yeah. There's so much detail and it. it's absolutely beautiful. Uh, Catwoman being trapped in the coffin as it speeds towards the furnace is, as I pointed out, very James Bond. Batman saves her, which Catwoman hates. Although her line about Batman getting all rigid when she's around is funny. Yeah, yeah. The double entendre becoming single entendre. Um, giving Loeb credit, mm. there is a very complex relationship being explored between Catwoman and Batman as she really could be the one that gets under Batman's skin, or costume, but he won't let anyone in. Yeah. And she ditches him as both Catwoman and Bruce Wayne, which is quite I empowering. I she definitely knows. I think she does. She gives it a go with Bruce Wayne, and he's not interested. So she gives it a go with Batman, and he's not interested. So she leaves. 
Yeah, um, but it's... Because she doesn't leave when Bruce kind of neglects her. So then she gives Batman a chance and then definitely does leave. Mm. But it's made quite clear that Bruce doesn't know she's Catwoman. Yeah. Which is plainly ridiculous. But there's a, there's a caption there when he goes to her house and she's ditched him and gone off to Italy to do When in Rome, which I really liked. Right. That in the middle of this story, another story takes place. Even though it's set after. It's not. No, I mean, take, I mean, was released after. Oh, yeah, even though it was released after, yeah, this taking place whilst this is going on, which is really good. But he says, Selena's voice is soft yet strong, whereas Catwoman's is low and sultry. So yeah. Catwoman does a different voice when she's Selena Kyle or vice versa. I don't buy that at all. I do not buy for a second... I'd, I'd say I have no problem with the secret identity concept in superhero comics, right? Right. It's part and parcel of the superhero genre. Yeah. And I think with certain characters, it's really important mm. that they have a secret identity. But given the, how close, both literally and figuratively, Batman and Bruce Wayne are to Selina Kyle and Catwoman, yeah. I do not buy that they don't know each other. Don't buy it at all. Uh, Janice is screwing Two-Face. Speaking of relationships that I don't entirely buy. Yeah. It's an enjoyable chapter. Momentum of this story is better than Long Halloween. Oh, yeah. It's faster paced. It doesn't have that silly conceit of the killer only killing on specific dates. But it does. It it does, yeah. It just feels like a quicker pace because they don't make a bigger deal out of it. But by not making a bigger deal out of it, but having that as the, how the killings happen, yeah. it can't make its mind up. It can't, but I, I think this moves at a better clip than Long Halloween. It does, but it still moves at the same pace as Long Halloween. It's just disguised. I think there's more going on in this than going on in Long Halloween. Yeah. And I think the characters are more interesting. Mm. And I'm more interested in the fact that Batman does actually seem to develop in this story. Yeah. In Long Halloween, he's a thick as bastard from beginning to end. And he never actually figures it out. In this... He actually starts to slow down and analyse clues. I mean, granted, he needs an 11-year-old boy to help him. Yeah. And the Riddler. Yeah. But at least he's showing some development into becoming the world's greatest detective. I suppose, but it's mimicking Long Halloween and that all the deaths take place on a holiday. Yeah, we do, but, that, but that's um, not a big part of it yet. It's not even... But that's what I'm trying to say. Is it still moves at the same pace. It's just because it's disguised, it seems a lot quicker. I enjoy, I think this is a more entertaining read. Okay. Anyway, well, we're obviously disagreeing on this one, <laughs> which always makes for a good show. Uh, the Penguin, who apart from a cameo in The Long Halloween has been conspicuous in his absence, takes the cover of Chapter 6, which is called Hate. Penguin just here for a cameo, really, isn't Pretty he? Pretty much, yeah. The Penguin is making his move. With Falcone's grip slipping, he's hitting the export end of the business, run by Zuko and Skeever. As Batman fights, he muses that Two-Face is still at large and has been since Halloween five months ago. Since then, a cop has been killed every month. Has Harvey found another way? With Batman bringing an end to the gunfire, he confronts the person he's here to see. The Penguin. Were, asks Batman, is Two-Face... The Penguin can't, won't, doesn't want to talk about that. What Batman does to Penguin is left off panel. The rooftop of the GCPD. Gordon briefs his new team, Gustafson, Lopez, King, O'Connor and Wilcox. Each are assigned a victim and told to find a link. Lopez asks why they were brought together in the first place. After all, O'Hara vouched for them before the killing started. Gordon says they were going to bring down the five families. Lopez says they still can. 
Wilcox asks how he knows they aren't already on the Falcone payroll. Gorn replies he has an inside man already in the Falcone organisation. Batman is not a part of this investigation, until Batman drops the penguin off in their laps. Sophia Falcone has problems other than the penguin. Mario Falcone has seized her assets, saying the Falcone's no longer dealing anything illegal, and he tells her she cannot even use the Falcone name. This is all at the behest of a shadowy figure. At Sully's bar, Gorn prepares to celebrate St. Patrick's Day in a cop's hangout. Janice and his wife Barbara are there, and so is Merkel, an old friend from back in the day. Merkel bails, his wife will be spitting feathers, and as Gordon explains who that was to his wife, he realises there's a connection between he, Dent, and the dead men. He rushes outside, but Merkel has gone. In the sewers, the Joker and Two-Face have a powwow. Two-Face takes his revenge for last year when the Joker broke into Harvey's house and gave him a kick-in. Speaking of Harvey's old house, Merkel shows up there hung by the neck. The document is the deed to the house, back from when Gilder and Harvey bought it, and the hangman's clue is a jury of your peers. Batman is not alone in finding the body, as Gordon's new team are here, and they aren't big fans of the Dark Knight. Uh, interesting, before we move on, there's something I noticed there that I'd rather note about, but I've just noticed. Lopez is the one that says we can still bring down the five families. Yeah. Lopez is the one he ends up offering a job to at the end. Right. Um, Wilcox asks, how does he know they aren't already on the Falcone payroll? Mm. She ends up being on the Falcone payroll. That's actually a really good piece of writing. Yeah. Fair play, Mr. Loeb. <laughs> Both those characters' story arcs laid out in their first appearance in one line of dialogue. And obviously, under the nose, but obvious. Yeah. Completely under our nose and obvious, but you don't twig yeah. until you get to the end and go back in it. So, all credit to him, though. Mm. Let's give him credit when he gets it spot on. Um, we've concentrated more on sales renderings of the real world rather than the superhero world, but here the two collide magnificently. Excellent, highly detailed drawings of the Docklands when the goods arrive, combined with dynamic shots of the Batman doing his thing and trying to bring an end to the gunfire. Brilliant colouring work. All blues with only the guns actually providing any colour. I love that two page splash. Yeah. A little bit of a Kirby vibe to it as well in that one. Mm. I'd get it. Particularly from the way he draws Batman's shorts. That's that's quite Kirby. Um, I, like you, I think Batman's better when he, he's, he's reacting to. when he's acting, sorry, rather than reacting, which is what he's doing here. But he's, he's still pretty cool in this opening, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, if we're all about the cool. And Batman is pretty cool in this. Uh, we get brilliant black and white panel uh, which represents uh, Batman's flash grenade. Yes. Which I thought was great. Inverted blacks. Yeah. Really, really, like a negative image. Yeah. Exactly right. Well done. Thank you. I thought that was really cool. Um, as with Poison Ivy, if there's anybody of Simils I don't like, I don't like his penguin. His penguin's quite Sinkovich. Yeah. It's the scratchy lines. And the fact that the teeth always look like they're hovering in his mouth rather than actually being attached to his gums. Yeah. I never got that. His penguin's the furthest out there for his redesigns. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's still penguin enough. He's more... Yeah, they've taken more of a creature approach than a person. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. There's a bit more... Yeah, yeah, there's a bit more Danny DeVito to him, I think. <laughs> uh, Gordon's team's composed of interesting characters. 
that he has an inside man. That's what's interesting. Yeah. I like that. Um, Sophia's life is really in the toilet. She's not having a good time of it, Sophia, is she? Now that Mario Falcone has said that his, um, we're not using the Falcone mean, name for illegitimate means anymore. I love how most of the Falcones have monobrows. Yeah. There is a good family resemblance. But, yeah. It, does, it has to be said. And lovely panel uh, of the exterior of Sully's when Gordon comes out to try and find Merkel. That's just gorgeous. And, and essentially, it's mostly street. Yeah. But it's just so well done. The, the again, very Eisner. Yeah, the lighting, the the use of shadow, the colouring, the it's just brilliant. Yeah, although Absolutely it was quite gorgeous. sad for Merkel to be quite likable because as soon as he shows up, you know why. Yeah, so. you know he's going to get killed because everyone else you've not cared about, have you? And if yeah. you've read Year One, you know Flas was an ass. I suppose Ahara was the other one. Ahara yeah. only exists to set up the deaths. Yeah, and the fact that he named him after the avuncular guy from the TV show made you like him. Yeah. But it, that's kind of cheating, because mm. you like him because of your connection to the TV show, rather than any work on Loeb's part. It's like a cameo, but is also a plot part. Yeah, whereas Merkel, he actually makes him likeable off his own bat. Mm. So yeah, so when he gets hung, that, that's rather unfortunate. And I love how you can see the Merkel hanging, even from the first panel. Yeah, that's really quite lovely. I mean, not lovely, yeah. you know what I mean. <laughs> I mean, in, in terms of art, it's exceptional. Uh, I never buy the Joker and Two-Face working together. Because mm. I don't find any of the Batman rogues working together. Yeah. They don't strike me as the kind. They're all double dealers, especially Two-Face. And the Joker is particularly devious, so it's, it's not something that ever really works for me. Uh, as with the last chapter, I think this is much better. The character-based stuff is carrying this for me. Yeah. Um, whereas The Long Halloween was a gimmick in search of a story, this is faster-paced, it's more expansive. Now, granted, you can't get here without going from there, hmm. so you don't get to this without The Long Halloween, but I'm enjoying this more. Like, the suspects, there are more of them. Batman's still blundering around blindly. Which is quite fun to watch in the era of godlike Batman. I suppose. It is quite fun, I suppose. But he's still a bit of a thug as well. But he's in a bad place. I suppose, but we're not in the era of godlike Batman anymore, are we? Which Were is... we when this came out? When this came out, it was 98, 2000? Was it? 2001. Right. So, no, we're not quite. We're not at godlike yet, are we? No, well, Grant Morrison did godlike Batman in his JL era, which was the late 90s, wasn't it? Yeah, but then wasn't. It Greg Rucker at this point? It may Ed have been. Well, there was No Man's Land still going on at this point. I don't know what the contemporary Bat books were in relation to this. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a part of it that's, that's Batman making mistakes is fun. But you do get to a point, like with James Bond, there's only so much deconstruction of the character you want to do Yeah. before you go, no, I want the guy back now, I want the cool guy back, yeah. drinking martinis, bedding women, shooting bad guys, driving cool cars. I want the cool guy back. It's, I mean, it's interesting to see what they do with the character, but... At the end of the day, people are there to see the character. Yeah, so there's only so much deconstruction you can do before it's not that character anymore and people yeah. lose interest. We're going into these things for pure wish fulfilment. We know this. Yeah. We want to see Batman being the coolest man in the room. We want to see Batman being the smartest man in the room. Oh, that's what I want, anyway. Mm. I don't want thug Batman who doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Yeah. But, you know, outside of year one. I don't mind. I don't mind it in Casino Royale as long as he's back being Bond for the next one. 
Yeah. So it's the same it, it's thing. It's alright for them to not be the character as long as that's who they become. Yeah, and as long as they don't do it too much. Um, that's the end of the part one. We will knock it on the head though, and we'll cover the rest of Dark Victory and a little bit of a, a detour to when in Rome next time. The second part of our Dark Victory February special, because February is just the month that cries out for specials. Well, there's a holiday in February. There is. Yeah. Valentine's Day. Yeah. Release it on there. <laughs> You no. should keep these and release them on holidays. Should I? Yeah. <laughs> that would actually be... So, four separate holidays. New Year's. Well, New Year's Day is going to be the Christmas... In between Christmas right, and New Year. Okay. So, so, then the next one would be Valentine's Day. That'll be like Halloween April one. April Fool's. April Fool's. And so on. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm <laughs> going to let them have them as two-part specials. See you next week. Bye-bye. Goodbye. is that the devil will find work for idle hands to do production and a two true freaks presentation. Episodes drop intermittently. It's hosted by Andrew and Michael Leyland. All sound clips and music used in the show are for review purposes only, so don't sue us because we talk over them, so it's not like people can rip them off. Correspondence to the show can be sent to heykidscomics at virginmedia.com. 